We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. The Chicago Bears are 5-1, and one, fresh off a Week 6 win over the Carolina Panthers on the road. We're here to break it all down for you. I'm your host, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, that's another win for the Bears. That's two straight after losing to the Colts a couple weeks back. And, man, it's pretty much been the same thing. You know, defense uh, carrying the way and offense just kind of puttering along here. It's funny because they're five and one, but if you listen to any sports talk radio or on Twitter at all, you'd think they're one and five right now. It's it's kind of wild, man. It's like it's one of the best starts they've been off to in quite a while. And and I understand they're not winning pretty. They're you know they're winning ugly. They're, they're winning games. I, I don't I don't you know it's one of those things that I get it. You know maybe it's not overly sustainable. You know in the in the long term to continually have to come back and win games, but I mean, let's just be real here. I mean, outside of you know, especially the last two weeks, really, since Nick Foles got his footing under him, I mean, he's still not playing great, but since Nick Foles has kind of taken over, I mean, this has been a team that really hasn't got down that much. I mean, thirteen points, yeah, okay, against the Bucks, but at the same time, it was still early in the game. They closed that gap quickly. But, I mean, they led the entire time against Carolina. I, I just – it's one of those situations where I understand that the score isn't pretty, that they don't look great on offense. But I feel like if if 
this was the exact opposite. And the Bears were, let's just say, scoring, you know, averaging 30 points a game and giving up 27. I feel like everybody would be taking them seriously. Um, but the fact that they're somehow, you know, only giving up 19 points and, you know, scoring 20 or 21 or whatever it is right now, then a lot of people are looking at it and saying, well, they don't have the offense to compete. Well, they're five and one and they're, they're in first place right now. I don't really know what else to say except for that. You know, they just got done with a tough three game stretch. You just you, I mean, you just talked about it with the Colts. They lost. They came back. They beat Tampa Bay, who beat the crap out of Green Bay on Sunday. And then they beat a Carolina team that was that had three wins in a row. I mean, they were a decently hot team and had done, you know, had pretty well dominated their games up until that point. Uh, and, you know, so I, I mean, you can say whatever you want, but the, the reality of it is when you look at the overall playoff teams in the mix right now, at least in terms of who would be making the playoffs after week six, the Bears have the sixth toughest strength of victory uh, against, you know, the 14 would-be playoff teams at this point. So it's not like their schedule's been overly soft. Um, and, you know, they're in, they're, their victories are not overly soft as well. So I, I just – I don't know, man. I, I, I understand that, you know, again, maybe some of this isn't sustainable. But at the same time, it's like they're still 5-1. and one. I mean, they're still one of the best teams in the NFL by record right now. And they're in first place. I don't really see what there is to really complain about. I mean, yeah, there's issues, but every single team has issues right now. Yeah, and if you ask this Bears team, they're not going to apologize for being 5-1. and one. They have to play who they have to play on their schedule. And, you know, I'd rather be 5-1 and one than 1-5. One and five. And you're right, man. It feels like everyone – it just feels like the sky is falling for them. Like, you know, you would think that this team is 1-5 and five from listening to the national media, listening to fans on Twitter, um, all that type of things. You know, the, the reality is this. I mean, their defense is really good. Their special teams is kind of, you know, right there in the middle. I thought they had a great game on Sunday against the Panthers. And their offense is just kind of just it. Eh. But, I mean, we should be used to this. I mean, we're all Bears fans. We've all followed this team for years. We've never had a great offense. We've always had great defenses. So this really shouldn't come, you know, as a surprise to anyone. But 5-1 and one is 5-1. and one. They're atop the NFC North. And right now their playoff chances look Fantastic. I think it was like 538.com had them at 86% or 85% to make the playoffs just 1% higher than Green Bay and a couple percentage points lower than Seattle. So, I mean, through six weeks, it's looking good um, uh, for the Bears right now in their playoff chances. We're going to break down everything because it was a pretty fun game to watch um, against the Panthers. And then I want to talk a little bit about the Bears upcoming uh, four-game stretch here right before the bye. We're going to get into all that. First, let's hit our first break of the show. We'll be right back after this. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hey, welcome back in here to the Bear Report Podcast. Yeah, Aaron, you know, it was a good road win for the Bears. That Panthers team was playing a lot better than I think a lot of people gave them credit for. Uh, a pretty good offense, a solid defense. I do have some concerns, though, with how the Bears look, specifically on offense. I mean, defensively, they dominated from the start. The first three plays, they had a sack, um, which – you know, probably should have been a safety re- re-watching that. I think um, they gave him the forward progress a little too early there. And then it didn't matter anyway because they got the interception on third down and then it turned into a touchdown. However, offensively, man, 
you know, for a team whose head, whose head coach preached, hey, we have to get back to the details. You know, we have to focus on, you know, getting those details right and the fundamentals right. They kind of look like a mess. They could not run the ball against what was a 31st-ranked uh, rush defense going into that game. They had, they had to burn a timeout early in the game to avoid a delay of game and then took a delay of game penalty out of the timeout, which is, you know, inexcusable. That just, that just cannot happen. And for me, it just, it looked like those details aren't shored up yet. And it looks like for me, this is going to be a problem at least for the next couple of weeks. Well, I, I think, you know, at least when you go back and you look, I mean, you kind of just pointed it out just a minute ago. I mean, this is kind of what we've been watching with the Bears offense pretty much the entire time that Matt Nagy's been here. And I think that after a while, you're going to have to look at this and say, okay, you know, they've made a change at running back. You know, Jordan Howard wasn't versatile enough, so they made a change at running back. They went in, you know, they went out, they drafted David Montgomery. You know, Trubisky wasn't the guy, so they brought in Nick Foles. That was the hand-picked guy that, that uh, you know, Matt Nagy wanted. Um, they've basically redone the entire line since Ryan Pace has been here. They fired their offensive coordinator. They fired their offensive line coach. They brought in, you know, new guys that were, you know, Andy's, Andy Reid scheme familiar, all that fun stuff. And here's the reality. The offense still sucks. I mean, there's just no way around it. The offense sucks. I mean, and, and, and here's the thing, like we can blame this on the offensive line. We can blame this on the scheme. We can blame this on the play calling. We can blame this on whatever, but like you pointed out too, the details aren't right. And frankly, the execution's not good either. I mean, when you look at the running game, there was multiple times over the last few weeks that David Montgomery is just too hesitant hitting the hole. I mean, there's, there's yards there to be gained and he doesn't hit the hole quick enough and he's getting tackled right around the line. And obviously I think that's an issue. I think another issue with the run game is the fact that outside of week one and a little bit in week two, they have not gone outside zone hardly at all since. And I don't understand that because it was working for them well. They're also not mixing up their personnel in the run game. I mean, Cordero Patterson's barely even getting the ball. Artavis Pierce, to my knowledge, hasn't even touched the field. And Ryan Nall has been on the field for a few snaps and he's kind of a slower guy. And one of the, uh, basically the only memorable thing I can think of that he did was have a false start. So, you know, there's issues with the run game, the, you know, the, the offensive line as a whole, let's be honest here. Um, you know, obviously James Daniels going down is an issue. Um, and they decided that they wanted to replace that with uh, Rashad Coward, who was awful last year. Apparently they didn't want to give Alex Bars a shot. Granted, he did look pretty bad against Vita Vea. A lot of people do. It happens, but I think the bigger issue right now are their tackles. And I think the biggest issue at tackle right now is Charles Leno Jr. I, I just, I don't, I don't see it, man. I, I don't see it at all with him. I think he's an absolute liability, whether it's in pass protection or the run game. He's become progressively worse from a pretty good 2018 season. He kind of built up from 2016, 2017, and then kind of peaked in 2018. Last year was a down year. I think he's even worse this year, but as a whole, when you look at this offense and you look at what's going on, obviously Foles is missing some throws. He's not without blame here. I mean, that interception that he threw after the, the turnover that Eddie Jackson forced on the forced fumble, completely inexcusable. And obviously that can't happen. But when you look at the overall execution of this offense and what's going on right now, there's a lot of details missing. There's a lot of different things that players aren't doing right, whether it's Demetrius Harris is playing way too much. I'm sorry. He, he's just playing way too much right now. Uh, Cole Komet needs to be out on the field more. As we saw, you know, he got a little bit more involved and he looked good. Jimmy Graham doesn't really have the yard after catchability anymore. Okay, that's fine. But then you got a guy in Anthony Miller who 
honestly, man, at this point, I, I don't understand why they have him active over somebody like uh, Riley Ridley. You know, it, it's just getting to a point where the, there's so many mistakes being made, whether it's within his route running, whether it's within his blocking, whether it's, you know, just simply not making the catch or his lack of awareness on third down and what was that, third down and three or whatever it was, and he catches the ball, he has the first down. All you got to do is oh, lay down at that down. mark. Exactly. And, you know, and then he comes back and he tries making a move after he already had the first down and he loses the first down on the third down. So it's just those are the kind of things right there where those are the kind of things that have to be eliminated. The, the penalties have to be eliminated, but most of all, the just the mental errors and the physical mistakes that are going on an offense. The issue is, is when you watch almost any other team in the league right now, you're watching offenses that will get down, you know, a first or second and 15 after a false start, or they'll get down, you know, uh, first or second 20 and they're able to dig themselves out of the hole the bears aren't able to do that they're, they're basically their offense is moving the ball they're not moving the ball enough to consistently score points and especially consistently score touchdowns but they're moving the ball enough but the issue is is the minute that they get set back with any sort of penalty whether it's a five yard or 10 yard or a 15 yard they're screwed and it, that's just not a good way to play on offense and again it's a culmination of different things and the, my last point to this will be I think we're quickly reaching a point where, again, I think people have to separate Matt Nagy, the head coach, from Matt Nagy, the play caller slash offensive coordinator. I think we're quickly reaching a point with Matt Nagy, the play caller slash offensive coordinator, where he's going to have to think about either making some serious, serious changes or he's just going to have to simply have somebody else call the plays. Because I, I think there's just – there's such a bad mixture going on with everything right now. And, again, it, you can't really put it all on one player or one particular thing. There's so many things going wrong right now. And, you know, we've seen all these changes happen. We've seen all these changes midseason happen – or in-season happen, more the point. And yet nothing is actually making a difference. And that's kind of concerning because we both talked about this going into this last game against Carolina. Carolina didn't have a great defense. I mean, their past defense was – uh, I thought their numbers were better than they were in general, but they had a really bad run defense, and the Bears hardly moved the ball. They didn't have 300 yards of offense, and they scored 23 points against a defense where they should have played better. And it's just, and again, I mean, these are the kind of things that luckily you're six games into the season, you're five and one. Uh, but at the same time, like something's got to give, man. There's been so many different changes. And the last thing really to look at at this point is Matt Nagy calling the plays and being the offensive coordinator and designing this offense. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because when I was, you know, thinking about this game and kind of thinking about what we talked about on the podcast today, you know, one of the things that popped in my head was Matt Nagy. And, you know, I don't think he gets enough respect as a head coach, enough credit as a head coach. However, as a play caller, he really does struggle. And I think a lot of people see, you know, okay, it's only the play calling duties and, and he's not doing well at that. And that and therefore that translates into a bad head coach. He's 25 and 13 in the regular season, has the one playoff loss. And he's going to be up there really in top two um, in win percentage all the time when it's all said and done in this franchise. He's a really good head coach, but he really struggles with the play calling. And, you know, I, I think I agree with you there that we need to separate that because as a head coach, you know, he, he pretty much hands the defense over to Chuck Pagano and he, he, he calls the plays on offense. We all know that, but to have this locker room, you know, come together, and not fold last year, I think going back to last year, we can look at that team. And I think 
at least 50% of the league would, if they were in that situation, their team would have folded. I mean, look at what's going on in Dallas right now. All this talent, all these playmakers, and there's already reports coming out of there that they really don't like the coaching staff. The coaching staff doesn't have them prepared. We didn't hear any of that last season when things were going downhill. And, you know, Matt Nagy in a way was, was hampered by poor quarterback play last year. Whether anyone wants to admit it or not, Mitchell Trubisky was not good last year, and Matt Nagy couldn't do what he really wanted to do last year. But the excuses now for play calling, uh, they're out the window. He has his guy, Nick Foles. This offense should be running a lot more smoother than what it is. And, and to your point, they should have really put up a lot of points on this Panthers defense or at least rushed for a lot of yards, too. I think I was more disappointed with that. Um, you know, Foles only had 179, 189 passing yards in the game, and he did make the dumb mistake of arguably the worst interception I've ever seen thrown. But, you know, for them to not be able to come out and rush the football and struggle to run the football right from the start and then have those details missing that first drive, you take a, a delay of game out of a timeout and a timeout that you took to avoid the delay of game is unacceptable. And with Demetrius Harris, too, I, I don't mind him in on blocking situations, but as a receiver, the experiment's got to stop. Stop slotting him out wide. It's not going to work. You've gone that well about five, six times, and that's five, two, five, six times too many. So I'd like to see a little bit more of Cole Komet. Um, I just really want to see this offense actually get back to working on those details and fundamentals. And for me, I, I don't know what your take on it is. I think a lot of the running game struggles, and I think a lot of the offensive struggles outside of the play calling and late game you know, clock management, I think majority of it falls on that offensive line. Because right now, I mean, they are just brutal. And if I had to pick one guy that's been okay, it's been Cody Whitehair. But he hasn't even been great this year. Uh, all around, from Bobby Massey to Charles Leno Jr., I know you mentioned him. Um, you know, Rashad Coward really struggled in that game. And Whitehair and Effetti, I mean, they just, as a unit, they have not been good. I think if you get that solidified, that gets better as the year goes on. We'll see this offense kind of get better. However, I, I, I don't see that happening. I think this offensive line is going to be a complete disaster the entire year. Well, that's kind of the issue, right, is, I mean, when you, when you look forward to the offseason and kind of projecting towards the future, I mean, obviously you need a quarterback, and obviously you're probably going to need another receiver at this point, and, you know, we need to see what's going to happen with uh, Allen Robinson and everything else. But the offensive line, man, I mean, it's one of those situations where they've had multiple opportunities over the last few years to draft uh, tackles especially, and they have not done it. And really, I mean, Bobby Massey hasn't been terrible. I mean, he just is what he is. He's slightly below average. He's not really a good pass blocker. He is what he is. But, man, Charles Leno Jr., he's been terrible. But, I mean, you look at – and it's funny because you look at the first few weeks of the season, I thought their interior actually played pretty well over the first few weeks of the season. And then it was like once they got – I think it was basically into the Andy game, and it, it seems like they've kind of lost their identity because Matt Nagy really went away from the run game. He basically said, all right, we're going to try to run it a few times. They tried to run it a few times. It didn't work. He said, all right, well, this isn't going to work. And they're using the short passing game and the quick passing game as kind of a substitute, which is fine to a certain extent. But at the same time, like you pointed out, I mean, Nick Foles didn't have a big numbers game. And he threw the ball what, close to 40 times, if not over 40 times. So it's like you look at those situations and you say, okay, you know, luckily – 
Nick Foles has great pocket awareness, and that's kind of the trade-off. I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, you're losing Trubisky's athleticism, so you're going to take a lot more sacks. But the trade-off is, is Trubisky had really bad pocket awareness and great athleticism, whereas Foles has great pocket awareness and bad you know, athleticism. I you, don't really know. You know what? You know what? A great example of that. Not sorry to cut you off. You know what? A great example of that exact situation was that third down, the first third down of the game for the Bears, where he zipped that pass in a Cole commit. What do you think Mitch Trubisky does there? I think he either throws an interception or throws it out of the back of the end zone. Or, or probably takes off and tries to make a play and, and gets stuffed. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and that's kind of the thing, though. I mean, that, and, but that's the difference between Nick Foles knowing that he's not athletic yep. and can't oh, move. I agree, and, 100%. You know, so, and I think that's kind of the difference. But I think, again, people are kind of like, okay, so you look at it and you say, okay, Foles didn't get sacked. Okay, but the, the pass protection still wasn't good. I mean, that doesn't take away from the fact that the pass protection was still an issue. I mean, the run blocking has been an issue, but I feel like a lot of the identity has been lost. And unfortunately for the Bears, it's not like you can say, you know, it wasn't like uh, back in the John Fox days where they're stacking the box with eight or nine guys and basically saying, go ahead and throw the ball and see what happens. This isn't a situation like that. Teams aren't stacking the box with eight or nine guys. I mean, they're basically saying we're going to defend the pass and you're just basically going to get beat at the line of scrimmage. And that's something that's been happening to them consistently over the last few games. And I think that's kind of the danger that you run when you abandon the run against a good running defense like Indy. And then you go against a good running defense like Tampa Bay. And all of a sudden you've completely lost your identity because this should be a run first team. And it's not to take anything away from the quarterback situation or Allen Robinson or anything like that, but this should be a run first team. And like you pointed out, especially on that last offensive drive of the game for the bears, where they get seven yards from David Montgomery on first down, you get seven yards. All you need is three more in the next two plays. You pound the ball. So what do they do? They run the ball. The next time David Montgomery gets one, you're in a third and two situation. They should have run the ball again. Even if it was an outside zone, it doesn't matter at that point, because even if you get stopped for a, you know, stopped and you're in a fourth down situation, you at least have forced Carolina into using that last timeout. And they come out and they run this like crossing route crap with Graham and, and uh, Robinson over the middle. And frankly, I think Robinson and I have went back and looked at it a few times as kind of a weird angle, but it looked like Robinson could have made that catch again, whatever it is, what it is. It's still a stupid play call. I mean, you have a situation where at very worst, your entire goal is to basically say, okay, you need to go down and you need to score a touchdown on a top five defense with you know a minute and 30 left or a minute whatever left with no timeouts and yet they left them with a minute and 30 and one timeout left luckily the game ended that way but again we're seeing the same trends and I don't know did you did you watch the Chiefs and Buffalo game at all yesterday uh yeah I did okay so did you hear the announcers throughout the entire game pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding on the fact that it's weird how Andy Reid has run the ball a lot today, and it's weird how Andy Reid is sticking to the run, committing the run, and, and all this other stuff. Yep. It, I, I'm assuming you noticed that too because they pointed it out multiple times throughout the game. Yeah, they pointed it out a lot because, I, I mean, would they have over close to 300, didn't they? They finished like close to 300. It was something, yeah, it was something crazy. But the, And that's kind of the thing, right, is you look at that and you say, okay, that is the identity of an Andy Reid offense. Yep. That is an identity to say, okay – it takes a lot to run the ball. I understand that. And I, and I do, I, I understand that Matt Nagy is a, you know, he was a quarterback. He's a pass first guy. He's a high powered offense guy. But the issue is, is you do not have the offense 
to be throwing the ball 40, 45 or 50 times a game and not having any sort of run game. And that's just kind of the issue. Plus, on the other, on the other side of this entire thing, usually a, a good way to be able to kind of open up the run game too, which we haven't seen at all. And this is one of Nick Foles' biggest or, you know, best traits. They're not throwing the ball deep anymore. I don't understand why they're not trying to attack down the field more. And I don't know if it's just situations where they're not getting enough time or whatever it may be. But, I mean, really, they're – the one outside of the one, the, the, the pass to Robinson, that wasn't even much past, what was it, like 25, 30 yards. But outside of that, the only time that they even tried to go deep was that little flea flicker. And I don't, I, another play I don't understand. It's like, so David Montgomery gets the ball. He stands there like a statue, tosses it back to Nick Foles that was a foot behind him. And then Nick Foles gets plowed. And luckily they got bailed out by a, you know, a pass interference call there. But again, it's like, what do you, what, what is, what is the identity of this offense? I mean, that was the just, most awkward passer or most awkward flea flicker. I've ever it's seen. just, yeah. But again, that, that's a sign of a, that's a sign of a, of a desperate play caller trying to make something work. And that's the thing is they're fine in the short intermediate. They're moving the ball. That's not the problem there. It's not, the thing is, is they're moving the ball between the twenties without much of an issue. I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, they had, they've had multiple drives where, I mean, they're only going three and out like two or three times a game. It's not like this is the John Fox era. This is not even like the Trubisky era where the majority of your drives are ending in three and outs. The, the issue is not moving the ball. The issue is moving the ball once you get into scoring position. And when you're in an area within the 30 or whatever it is, or even the 20 and within the red zone to where you're just not able to pound it in. It's like, I mean, look at the – I mean, you pointed out in the very beginning, that first drive where – there was just confusion everywhere and it took a really good pass and a really good catch from Cole Komet. But then you go back and you look at that last touchdown that they scored and it's like they get it all the way down to the one yard line with David Montgomery. And it still takes them three different opportunities to get in the end zone. And that's the stuff. It's like, it's almost like in baseball when you've got runners in scoring position and you've got your best hitter up and you've been struggling to score runs and your best hitter, your best hitter goes up there swinging in the first pitch out of the zone and he grounds an inner double play and the inning's over with. You're trying to do too much. That's exactly what the Bears offense is trying to do right now. They're trying to do too much when they get into certain situations instead of moving the ball. And I think one of the main reasons for that is because they don't have an identity. They don't have a deep passing game. They don't have any sort of run game right now. And they're simply relying on all these out routes, all these different things that are going on, but they're all happening between the five and 10 yard line. There's nothing really complex going on. All you have to do is watch another offense to see how anemic and slow the Bears offense moves. And it's not like they don't have talent. That's the thing that's frustrating about it. Yeah, you know, for me, watching that game and kind of thinking about it, it, it almost looks like last year's offense where Neg would go away from the run and they would just try this, you know, not to get too cute, but they'd try the short pass route, you know, the quick throws. It just wasn't, wasn't working. Or they would try to implement something in there that, you know, in this case, Demetrius Harris, um, that it just isn't working. But they keep going back and back to it. It's almost like, you know, in a way, Nagy is forcing things too much in, a, in an aspect where he just wants it to work. And he's just got to, you know, kind of not the smartest man in the room type thing, but he wants to prove it can work. And he wants to prove his offense can work. Um, and it's, it's just – it's kind of frustrating to watch because like you said, you watch any other offense and I mean, they're moving the football down the field or most offenses in this league. They're moving the football down the field. They're scoring points. The bears are moving the football down the field and they're settling for field goals. They're not, they're not, you know, converting into, 
these, these red zone opportunities into touchdowns. And even when they scored the rushing touchdown from Nick Foles, they were what first in goal from the, the half yard line. And they couldn't get the push on two straight downs to get into the end zone. And it finally took a Nick Foles sneak for them to even get a touchdown. It's like, when is this offense going to finally click? And that's where I think, you know, we have to go back to separating, you know, Matt Nagy, the head coach, is Matt Nagy, the play caller. I don't think Matt Nagy's ever going to give up the play calling duties. Um, I, I, I just don't see it happening. But he's going to have to dramatically turn this thing around. They're going to have to get into a rhythm because the schedule gets tougher. I mean, you have Green Bay twice. You have the Rams coming up, the Titans. You have the Saints. You have some pretty good offenses that can put up points. Uh, you know, coming in in these final 10 games, if you want to be a legit contender, you're going to need an offense. Defense could carry you to the playoffs. That's that's totally fine. We saw that in 2018. That was mostly a defense that got them to the playoffs. But when you need to put up points in the playoffs, where are you going to turn to? And if this is not, you know, running how Matt Nagy wants to be, if they don't match up with the NFC East, they're probably going to be out in the first round or be bounced pretty quickly. So I just want to see – I sound like a broken record. I want to see a complete game. I want to see some rhythm. I want to see this offense finally move the football and not only move it down the field consistently, but actually score points and maybe take the burden off the defense. Maybe give the defense a little bit of an extra break. You have playmakers. Open up the offense a little more. How many times you know, have you seen Darnell Mooney? He's beaten defenders down the field, and they just don't throw the ball deep like that. Or – you know, Allen Robinson's open and they'll miss a deep throw or they'll overthrow him, something like that. It's just, it's very frustrating. And the other thing I want, I, you know, I want to kind of piggyback off your, your topic with Anthony Miller is there's really, you know, outside of Darnell Mooney and, and Allen Robinson, I think because the Bears are winning, there's really no weapons on this offense. I, I guess you could count Allen Robinson, Jimmy Graham, and Darnell Mooney as your top three weapons. But after that, man, there's not a lot to choose from. And, and I think that's something that's really getting overlooked here. Well, and I think that's kind of the the value that you lose when you lose a guy like Tariq Cohen. I mean, that's just the reality. And, and you know, I, I know people don't really like him as a running back, and that's fair. I mean, he's really boom or bust as a running back, but he was still a weapon in the past game, and he was still another threat that you had to account for. And I guess that's kind of my point. And, and I'm not saying that Riley Ridley is going to be some savior, but at the same time, like for as many mistakes as Javon, or Javon Williams, that, that uh, Anthony Miller has made so far, why not give him a shot? I mean, something's got to give, I mean, even give Ted Ginn an opportunity more in the offense. I mean, something, and that's the thing is obviously we're looking at this depth chart right now and we know that they're going to have to make moves in the off season. We know that their depth's going to have to be better and we've also seen, I mean, teams naming, you know, teams like the Green Bay Packers, for example, who won four games in a row uh, before they got just blown the hell out. And a few of those games were without Devontae Adams. And then the game that they got blown out was with Devontae Adams. So an offense can run without great weapons. Uh, but the thing is, is you have to, or at least passing weapons, but the thing is, is you have to have some semblance of a run game. I mean, that's a big thing with, with Green Bay is they have multiple running backs. I mean, Aaron Jones is awesome. Obviously they have a great quarterback, but the point is, is you can miss an aspect of the offense as long as the other aspects are there. But right now the bears don't have a good offensive line. They have very mediocre quarterback play and they're just lacking details and they don't have a ton of weapons right now. And it's just, yeah, I mean, and again, I mean, it's one of those things where 
at least to me, and correct me if correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like to me, that's really the only issue with the Bears right now. I mean, maybe their defense isn't forcing as many turnovers as they have in years past, although they had three this week. But I mean, when you really look at things, the Bears offense is literally the only issue that they have right now. And it's like, even if they can start scoring 25 points a game, they're going to be really hard to beat because their defense is, and it's kind of funny, their defense is almost kind of like their offense. Like, the defense gives up yards, but then you get down in the crunch time in the red zone and then scoring opportunities. And all of a sudden they're giving up field goals. And that's the same exact thing with the bears offense. They get down in the crunch time, they get down when they actually need to score touchdowns and they're giving up field goals. So it's a situation where as frustrating as this is to watch and as first, you know, as bad as the offense has been and for as close as these point margins have been within their wins and how they've had to win, their defense is still really good. Their special teams, for the most part, I mean, every once in a while you get that stupid special teams penalty or, you know, Pat O'Donnell will have that one bad punt. But for the most part, I mean, really, the, the, the team itself has been good. I think they've been pretty well coached for the most part. I think Matt Nagy as a head coach has had a few time management blunders. Um, but for the most part, I, I really – I mean, man, this team is – this team is really good outside of the offense. And that's kind of the same thing we're saying in 2000, 2018. I do think they are better than last year, just for the simple fact that, again, there's not a ton of three and outs. So at least you're moving the ball. At least you're playing the field position game. And at least, you know, you're giving your defense a chance to stop, a, you know, an offense, you know, that's not starting on the 40 or 45-yard line or even in your own territory. And that was actually a big key for the Bears and why they were able to win this last Sunday against the Panthers is if you look at the overall – uh, you know, field position, starting field position for both teams, the Bears were like 20, 25 yards better in that category than the Panthers were. And that's a big thing. That was kind of something that we saw last year from the Bears, why they were constantly in holes and why their defense didn't look as good is because they're constantly playing with the backs against the wall. So at least the offense is moving the ball. And I mean, they're scoring more in terms of like they're, they have more scoring drives. The issue is is that a lot of those scoring drives are field goals. And at least on the plus side, this is one thing we do have to point out. Cairo Santos has been pretty damn good the last few games, man. I mean, that 55-yard, when they line up for that 55-yard, I'm thinking there's no way in hell he's going to make this. Nothing was right down the middle. It didn't have a ton to spare, but it had a few yards to spare. I mean, he's been really, really damn good the last few weeks and enough to where the, they actually allowed the uh, Cowboys, sorry, the, uh, what was it? The, I guess it was the Rams. Yeah. Cause that's who they're playing on Monday. Yep. They allowed the Rams to sign Kai Forbath off the practice squad and, you know, didn't want to do anything about it. Cause usually the other team will have the option of like bringing them up or paying them more on the practice squad, whatever it may be. And it's not like Forbath went in a situation where he is going to be the guy. Like, he's going to be one of two kickers on the roster, and they drafted a guy in the seventh round, Sam Sloman. So he's still going to have an opportunity. But the fact that they allowed uh, they allowed Forbath to go, and, I mean, we still don't know what the status is of Eddie Pinheiro right now. I think that says a lot about their confidence in Cairo Santos. And the fact that he's hitting on more long field goals, and he's actually doing a pretty good job of kicking the ball at least deep enough in the end zone to not yield a ton of returns – I mean, he's he's been a big factor. I mean, if you really look at the way the Bears have been winning games and how they've had to score points offensively, I mean, if they had a bad kicker, if they had Cody Park in 2018, the Bears would probably be two and three right now. I mean, they've had to rely on their kicking game quite a bit, and Santos has really stepped up to the plate over the last few weeks. Yeah, I I'm with you. I think that you know they're going. Cairo Santos is going to make. Um, 
you know, Eddie Pinero expendable. And, I, I, you know, I thought they're going to go with Santos for the first couple of weeks and then see what they got in Pinero. But the more we go on later in this year, you know, that injury that Pinero has, the hamstring is not an easy one to overcome. I mean, especially for a kicker, it, it takes a while. And now that Cairo Santos is kicking really well, and he had that big 55-yarder last week, like you said, um, I mean, I don't know. I think you see the days. Maybe they keep Eddie Pinero on IR even longer. It doesn't look like they're ready to activate him anytime soon. So you're right, though. I, I mean, it's the defense is playing really well. You could use a couple more you know, takeaways per game, but it looks like they're kind of getting that back on track. They're getting a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks now. That's something we didn't see really the first couple of weeks of the season. But, man, ever since that Atlanta game, you know, they've really kind of taken off and led by not only Khalil Mack getting the sacks and Robert Quinn getting the pressures, but you're, you're looking, you got uh, Mario Edwards in there getting pressures. You have Blau Nichols in there getting pressures. They've been kind of uh, some big boosts here. Brent Urban has been a, another guy in the backfield creating some pressures. So, yeah, if the offense can just get it going, man, I, I think the Bears will be in good shape for the rest of the year. But, you know, it was another win for the Bears on Sunday, and that means it's winning time for you at my bookie between the NFL, college ball, and the MLB playoffs. Well, now World Series, there's really no shortage of games to watch with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events. You can turn your game day into payday with our friends over at my bookie. If you're the type of guy that likes to back the big favorites, maybe you, you know, put a couple of dollars on a parlay and, and hope for that bigger payout if it hits. Uh, my bookie has it all. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. I mean, imagine watching that Cardinals Cowboys game last night without any money on the line. It would have been completely boring for you as a fan. And also you cannot forget about the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really underdogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win and you do too. The bears were underdogs on Sunday, came back and won, made a couple people some money. Happy to see that. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action. Start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. For our listeners, we're giving you the chance for a special promo code overtime to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. All you have to do is sign up at my bookie, use your promo code overtime, and they'll match your deposit dollar for dollar up to a thousand bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. There's even a big UFC event next Saturday. I know Aaron is excited about that. We also have presidential. Yes, it's going to be a good fight. I'm not even a big UFC fan, but I know it's going to be a good fight. And we have presidential prop bets, all major sports, World Series, everything going on. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively in my book. Aaron, when you look at this Bears team now, I look at these next four games as a big turning point in this season. These are not easy games. Really, the only game the Bears are probably going to be favored in is the Vikings. They're already dogs to the Rams. They're going to be probably their dogs or pick them to the Saints. And they're going to be dogs on the road against the Tennessee Titans. These are four games right before your bye, and you're sitting at five and one. For me, I look at it and I say, and I look at this, you at least got to go bare minimum two and two. Three and one is, is, is very good in my eyes. I don't think they're going to go four and oh in this stretch. But if you get to three and one and at the worst two and two, I think you set yourself up right there with seven wins before your bye. Um, you'll have what you'll have six games left. You'll put yourself in great position, not only, you know, maybe capture a wild card spot, but at least stay in the NFC North division race because after your bye, you have a game against Green Bay and then you have to face them in week 17 as well. These next four games, man, for me, are a big turning point for this team. 
Well, you talk about my bookie, man. It's like if you're a Bears fan and you've been loyal to this team and, you know, or loyal to, you know, them thinking you're going to, you know, they're going to win, you probably made a pretty good amount of money and you're going to make some decent amount of money over the next few weeks if they continue to win games. I mean, they outside of one game, they've been dogs in every single game. I mean, they started off, and I'm sure the line's a lot lower now, but – they started off as six and a half point underdogs to a four and two Rams team who has actually played a worse schedule than the Bears has so far. And obviously I know the game's on the road. The Rams are an interesting matchup for the Bears, but I agree. I mean, just looking at, like you said, just go two and two over these next four games. I mean, you go two and two over these next four games and all of a sudden you're looking at a situation where you're going into the bye. You got six games remaining. Four of those are going to be, or I guess three of those technically would be, you would have the Vikings one more time. You would have the Lions again. And then you would also have, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Who's the other terror? Well, I guess you'd have Houston and you would have Jacksonville. So four of your last six games would be against pretty bad teams. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. And again, seven and three, all of a sudden you're setting yourself up. If you go two and three in that start, I guess what would it be? If seven, three, yeah. So you'd be what, two and four? Two and four, and you'd be ten and six. I don't know if I'm doing the math right. Point, or th- sorry, three and three. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Point being is, if the Bears go five and five over these next ten games, apparently math is really hard today for me. If they go five and five over the next ten games, they got ten games remaining. I know that five plus five is ten. If they can go five and five, all of a sudden you're looking at a ten and six team, especially with an extra playoff team in the mix this year. You got seven seven playoff teams, an extra wild card team in each uh, in each conference you know, 10 wins is going to get you in. I mean, that's just as simple as that. And I think the other big thing to kind of keep in mind here down the stretch is the Bears are 5-0 and within the conference right now. That is huge. They've got two tiebreakers against either Tampa Bay if they don't win the division and Carolina if they're actually in the mix. Plus, they play the Rams this weekend, who are going to be in the mix, and they play New Orleans, who's also going to be in the mix. They're either going to win the division or they're going to go second. They're going to be in the wild card spot for that, you know, that second spot in the NFC South. So, I mean, you look at those games – and really the only team that you're or the only division that you're not going to touch within the NFC is going to be the AFC West or at least you know team or well, I guess outside of the, you know the Rams but i mean you're you're going to touch probably i would say three of the five maybe three of the five wild card contenders and one of those five is going to be the bears i mean at this point if the 49ers or the Cardinals, one of them may make a run, and maybe, maybe Carolina does. I kind of don't see it happening. I think they're going to finish closer to 8-8. Eight and eight. But, I mean, you're setting yourself up so well. You already have. And if you go 2-2 two and two over these next four games and you get yourself in, I mean, three of those, three of those four are, you know, conference opponents at that point. So it's like you look at that and you say, okay, if you can go 2-2 two and two over these next, you know, four games, that puts you at a very, very worst of, let's just say, six and two within the conference that's already you're at least going 500 within the conference and hopefully you have you know one at least one of those games against the Rams or the Saints because then all of a sudden you have a tiebreaker over basically three of the four contenders at that point within those wildcard spots barring a giant collapse all of a sudden you've pretty much locked yourself into for the playoffs at seven three I mean that's just the way it is and that's the situation that the Bears have put themselves in obviously you don't want to see a team just go into the playoffs and get run over but at the same time, the fact that so many people had this team projected as a three or four win team, I mean, every projection that I saw for the most part had the Bears as basically either third place or last place within, you know, the NFC North. I still, I'll be honest, I still don't know. I don't think that they're a better team than the Packers. Obviously, the Packers don't have a very good defense. Um, 
But, I mean, their offense, and it's hard to bet against Aaron Rodgers. I don't think the Bears are better than the Packers, but I do think that they can hang in probably towards the end with the division. But, I mean, getting into the playoffs is getting in the playoffs. It doesn't really matter how you do it. You get in there. I think that's a pretty big accomplishment, especially when you look at what Matt Nagy has done in two of his three years being able to get in the playoffs. I mean, the Bears made the playoffs twice in a decade. And they'd be able to do it twice in three years if they're able to make it this year. I mean, the odds are overwhelming right now at 5-1. and one. Obviously, things can change in a hurry, and we saw that with what was that, the 2012 Bears when they started off as hot as they did and somehow missed the playoffs. They were one of the only teams in NFL history to do that. But for the most part, when you're playing the actual percentages, the Bears are in a really good spot. Whether you're looking at football outsiders, whether you're looking at, uh, what is it, 538 or 358 whatever it is the numbers always confuse me or even when you're looking at just the uh, there's a chart out there um, from I think it was a Packers writer I can't remember who it is and it's basically charting over the last 10 years and adding in that extra playoff team uh, what your chances are when you start off you know at each record and basically five and one the Bears have a 90 percent chance so I mean regardless of how you look at it there's an overwhelming chance usually about three out of four that you're going to make the playoffs and again, if you go two and two over these next four games, you're sitting in really good shape, especially when you look at what they have in the second half. I mean, obviously they got the Packers. I mean, they're going to have basically three divisional games or actually I guess four divisional games in the final six games of the season. But when you look at the quality of the division right now, Minnesota's one and five, Detroit's two and three. We'll have to see what happens with Detroit over the next few weeks. And then you, you factor in playing the Texans on top of playing the Jaguars. I mean, both of those teams are really damn bad right now, especially the Jaguars. It's like you've, you've got a really good shot of, of just, you know, being able to pull out at least 10 or 11 wins. So it's – I don't know. I, I tend to believe, and maybe I'm wrong, um, I tend to believe that I, th- I think that this matchup against the Rams is going to be, just historically speaking, is going to be a better matchup than uh, what we'll see in New Orleans. Granted, the game will be at home uh, for the Bears when they play New Orleans. But it's just one of those situations where – they have usually played better against the Rams, at least in, you know, recent memory than they have against the Saints. But either way, I think you got to go one and one in those games. And then again, if you want to break this up into twos, you go one and one and you go one and one between, I mean, Tennessee's really good. I mean, Tennessee, especially when you talk about Derrick Henry, I'm going to have nightmares about that game. Just thinking about how, how abusive he is going to be to the Bears run defense. But Again, because of the Bears' defense, they're going to keep them in any game. I mean, a lot of this is going to come down to how well the offense can perform. And, I mean, these are some good defenses. The Rams have a good defense. They get after the quarterback quite a bit. I mean, obviously, they got Aaron Donald. Leonard Floyd's been having a good year. You look at New Orleans, and New Orleans has got a pretty good defense. Tennessee's got a pretty solid defense as well. Um, and then Minnesota is bad. But that's that's beside the point. But, I mean, three out of these four defenses are pretty good defenses. So, Again, this is just more of an opportunity and more of a test for this offense and Nick Foles to hopefully get things together. But again, two and two should be the goal. I mean, obviously, you know, when the Bears lose, it's never fun. But if you can get into the bye week at seven and three with only six games remaining and you have that that week off, I mean, that's that's a really, really, really good position to be sitting in if you're the Bears. I'm already having nightmares of Derrick Henry running all over this Bears defense. I mean, watching what he did on Sunday against Houston – pretty much putting that entire team on his back there. Well, that was just incredible. And I mean, Ryan Tannehill is playing pretty well. So that, that, that game is not going to be easy one. The bears are going to be dogs on the road there. And, you know, the Titans do have a tough game this week against the Steelers, but I mean, you know, they could very well go into that game unbeaten and that could be a huge game for the bears. 
I agree though. The, I mean, getting to two and two through this four game stretch isn't bad at all. And who knows if the Bears maybe they beat the you know they win this week they beat the Rams they maybe they beat the Saints they can afford a loss to the Titans and then you have a chance to go three and one that stretch with a game against a Minnesota team who is really really bad and looks like they're crumbling right now um, that that would be huge but first things first they got to focus on this Monday night showdown we're gonna recap or we're gonna preview that not recap we're gonna preview that and give our takes on it to end the show before we do that though we'll be right back for a word from our sponsor. Every day can bring changes, challenges, and opportunities that can also change your personal or business financial goals and priorities. As a true partner, Sandy Spring Bank can make it all a bit easier. Someone who really listens, understands, and then creates solutions in hard times and good times. We'll always strive to be your advocate today and every day. That's real banking for real life and real business. Visit sandyspringbank.com real. Member FDIC. All right, Aaron, let's kind of uh, wrap up the show here, talk about the Rams. Um, yeah, the first of a f- big four-game stretch. And the Rams 4-0 against the NFC East this year, 0-2 against every other team, and including Sunday night loss to the San Francisco 49ers, where they just looked bad. San Francisco's defense pretty much dominated that game from the start. Um, the Rams really couldn't move the football up, and San Francisco did a fantastic job of neutralizing Aaron Donald. However, man, the Bears' offensive line really struggling, and that Rams' pass rush is pretty damn good, led by Donald and our former friend uh, Leonard Floyd. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bears match up with the with the Rams in the trenches, which will be a big key in this game. But another primetime game on the road, this is going to be a tough one for the Bears. And, and you know, they played the Rams tough in 2018, winning that game, even though it was kind of you know one of those ugly wins. Last year was a disaster. They actually got off to a great start in that game. And then um, Eddie Pinero missed two field goals in the first quarter. And then after that, it just kind of everything went downhill with, with the offense of Mitchell Trubisky. This year, though, different story. The Bears enter at 5-1 and one, and a chance here to really make a statement on prime time. What is kind of your key to victory for the Bears in this one? Well, this is going to be an interesting matchup because when I look at it and, you know, I went back and watched a few Rams games, kind of looked at their numbers and it's kind of funny because really they're kind of similar teams when you, when you look at, I mean, obviously when you look at the offensive side, let's just compare, you know, the two sides of the ball here, our Bears offense versus Rams offense, the Rams offense is better but not by as much as you would think. I mean, they have better weapons, uh, you know, and they've been more efficient. I think, you know, obviously they have a little bit better of an offensive line, but when you look at their overall numbers, they really haven't been putting up that many points. And let's just be honest. I mean, Jared Goff's not that great a quarterback. And as we've seen in years past, if you can pressure him, then you're usually going to be in pretty good shape. Cause again, he's just not that good of a quarterback, but then you look at the defense side of the ball and they've been relying a lot on that defense. They've been getting after the quarterback quite a bit. Um, they've been, you know, just, just overall, they've been pretty good. I mean, they got a good secondary. I mean, they got some, they got some good names back there. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, obviously. And then of course, Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd has been playing pretty well. Um, but when you compare that to the Bears defense, I mean, the Bears have a better defense. I mean, there's just, I mean, in terms of numbers, in terms of metrics, they have been the better defense. And the one thing that's really kind of stood out to me uh, when looking at the two teams and kind of comparing the two teams is 
the turnover differential. The Bears are plus one and the Rams are minus one. And I think that when you look at two similarly built teams and how they've had to, you know, how they've won games and their strengths and their weaknesses, obviously, you know, one's better than the other and the other is better than the other when you're comparing the, the you know, the two units next to each other. But the reality remains the same in terms of your, your, your special team is going to have to be good and the turnover margin is going to have to be on the plus side for whatever team is going to win this game. So I think for me, that is the big key for this game. The Bears have to come out on top of the turnover margin. And, I mean, the turnovers are starting to come. They're starting to get to the quarterback more. Uh, the Rams offensive line isn't as good as it was a few years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. I think there's some opportunities there for the Bears to get to Goff, pressure him, and have him and force him into some bad decisions. I mean, Jared Goff, again, he's not good when he's got pressure in his face. I think the one thing that kind of worries me about that offense is just simply uh, Daryl Henderson has been pretty damn good. Uh, I'd be curious to see if they get Cam Akers back this week. They got some good speed at running back, and that kind of concerns me a little bit. Obviously, they got some good receivers, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, uh, Tyler Higby has been pretty good at tight end, Gerald Everett. But I think when you really when you really boil this down, I think the biggest thing is going to be winning on the line of scrimmage for the Bears defense versus that uh, Rams offensive line, getting pressure on Jared Goff and forcing him into making bad decisions. We've seen other teams run the ball well against the Bears. It's an Achilles heel, but it's not an Achilles heel that's going to kill this defense. But I think forcing them into more turnovers, giving yourself more favorable field position, I think that's going to be the big key for the Bears because, again, these teams are very similarly matched, and especially when you're talking about a Rams team that is undefeated at home. They're 2-0 and at home. The Bears are actually 3-0 and on the road so far. Uh, that's going to be a big factor for them to be able to win this game on Monday night. And, again, I mean, we've seen how Nick Foles plays in bigger stages, and hopefully the offense can come to life a little bit. And a big thing for Nick Foles is going to be not having those dumb turnovers. I mean, he's thrown an interception in every game that he started this year so far. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Daryl Henderson has been uh, fantastic for the Rams. You know, he had a slow rookie season last year. For me, you know, it's, it's going to be winning those trenches. I mean, how are you going to block Aaron Donald? How are you going to limit the, the Rams' pass rush? Can our offensive line hold up? and kind of limit the pressures and keep Nick Foles clean. Can you run the football? Can you get your offense going? Because, you know, this could be a, a defensive battle if the Bears can't get their offense going. I could see Chicago's defense giving the Rams offense fits, um, and I could see it vice versa. We could be very well in for another, like, 10-6, 13-6, game on primetime. And, you know, if – if, if that is the case, you know, maybe I, that would favor the Bears. Maybe I think their offense is a slightly better in my eyes, um, uh, you know, even with um, their struggles that they're having. But, you know, can Nick Foles and his offense finish drives in the end zone? I, I'd like to see the Bears come out and make a statement in prime time. You have, you know, you and I said at the beginning of the show, a lot of doubters in the, in the media, a lot of doubters out there in the Twitter world. Make a statement in prime time and, and kind of get, you know, get to that six and one mark and start off this four game stretch with a win. Um, and if they could do that, you know, that would be huge for, for their season moving forward. And they add another NFC win to their under their belt there. Um, do you want to give your prediction then, Aaron? Yeah. So uh, I'll kind of go off of what you just said. I, I think this is bound to be a defensive battle. I mean, again, this is two really good defense going to get against two not great offenses, Rams offense, maybe a little bit better, but they're still not very good. Uh, I, I think really, again, this is going to be a defensive battle. And I think this is going to come down to possibly a turnover and maybe a pick six or a defensive touchdown. And I, I just, 
I don't know, man, that, uh, that, that just completely, in my opinion, blown pass interference call on Kyle Fuller. That should have been, again, yet another interception or pick six for Eddie Jackson. I think that somehow, some way, the Bears are going to find a way on defense to score a touchdown. I'm going to predict this is a pretty low-scoring game and a close game. I'm going to go 2017 Bears. It's going against my better judgment because, honestly, this game probably should go down as a loss for them, just kind of how it feels, and especially with them being on the road and having to go all the way to the West Coast. But I don't know. I just I, I, Maybe I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid right now. I'll take the Bears 2017. <laughs> I'm going to take the Bears as well. I, I think it's going to be a defensive uh, ball game, and I, and I think the Bears are going to come out ahead. Uh, I'm going to say 16 to 10 Bears. I just think their defense is going to do enough to limit the, the Rams, and I can see the offense, you know, maybe scoring a touchdown um, with Nick Foles, but won't shock if this defense gets a touchdown as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the Bears, a low score there, and, and hopefully they get off to a great start in this four-game stretch, and, you know, we're talking about another win next week. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter at, Aaron? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. Awesome. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z A C K underscore Pearson. You can read my work on the Bear Report as well. Um, we'll be back next week to break down everything in week seven between the Bears and Rams. Till then, everyone stay safe. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.